Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. A lot to dive into today. Appreciate you guys spending your Wednesday morning with us. Dak Prescott going to be probably the biggest story of the day as the Dallas Cowboys have been negotiating with Dak Prescott for what feels like about two years now. And uh, there are reports now that nothing is going to happen in terms of a long-term extension for Dak Uh, So at the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline today, Dak is expected to play the season on the one-year $31.4 million franchise tag. So what's interesting about this in particular is Dak played for four years under his rookie contract and only made $2.7 million. So right at 700000 a little bit less per year on average for a starting quarterback in the NFL is unheard of in terms of, uh, of what the deal is that the Cowboys got for him. And they were unable to really take advantage of that and go to the proverbial next level while they had all that additional money to spend on other talent. And if you're not sort of a capologist or someone who has spent a lot of time paying attention to this in the NFL, what the basically the goal has become 
in many ways, at least a big competitive advantage you can get is if you draft a young quarterback, they are paid so drastically below what market value is in the NFL that if you have a young quarterback under either the first round five years or even better, a four-year deal without them being a first-round pick and they end up a stud, you get a major competitive advantage. And that, for instance, is what the Seahawks did when they went to the Super Bowl twice with Russell Wilson before they actually had to pay him $35 million a year. He wasn't able to stay healthy, but that's one of the advantages that the Eagles had with Carson Wentz when they were able to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. It was because they had Carson Wentz partly under a very affordable contract before he started to make 31 or $30 million plus. Jared Goff, look at what happened with the LA Rams who are now in salary cap prison because they had to pay Jared Goff a ton of money. But prior to giving Goff all of that money, they had him under a relatively cap-friendly situation even though he was the number one overall pick, but he led them to the Super Bowl. And so you look around the NFL, and certainly Patrick Mahomes is the most recent version of that, number 10 overall pick, but now he's making the most money in the history, arguably, potentially, we'll see, in all of American pro sports. And uh, and prior to that, he was under his rookie contract, and the Chiefs went out and won a Super Bowl. So what happens kind of going forward is an intriguing question for the Dallas Cowboys. Are they really that far apart with Dak Prescott? Will Dak hold out? I, I, I don't really know why he wouldn't. To be honest, it's great to make $31 million in a year. I don't think anybody out there is feeling sorry for him for this one-year deal. But if you factor in that he only made $2.7 million over the four years before and that the Dallas Cowboys set the precedent with Ezekiel Elliott that if you hold out, you get paid a massive amount of money even if you have an existing contract, I wouldn't blame Dak if he decides to hold out. Of course, this also raises the larger issue for the Cowboys, which is are they going to Kirk Cousins this situation in some way? By which I mean, if you remember what happened with Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins, Cousins, I believe, you guys can look this up and confirm it, Cousins was franchise tagged two years in a row by the Washington Redskins after uh, being unable to reach a long-term deal with the team. And then he just walked away and uh, the Redskins got nothing else. Now, the other question is, I'm not an expert on the franchise tag and we just don't see it happen that often for quarterbacks in general, is there any prohibition on how many years in a row you can franchise tag a player now? Uh, Will one of you guys try to look that up for me? Because we've got several players that are going to be franchise tagged. None as big of a story as Dak. But for instance, Derrick Henry is getting $10.7 million. And if I remember correctly with Le'Veon Bell, they tried to franchise tag Le'Veon Bell back-to-back years in Pittsburgh and he set out the entire season in order to try to become a uh, a free agent and I know I believe I'm correct that Kirk Cousins was franchise tagged back-to-back years but that players obviously do not want to be franchise tagged ever 
and they certainly don't want to be franchise tagged in back-to-back years. But the reason why, in case you're wondering out there, is if Dak got injured, and hopefully he doesn't, and he had a serious injury, let's say an Alex Smith-like injury uh, that uh, that left him very, very uh, substantially needing a long road to recovery, and it isn't like he's going to be out uh, for only a few weeks or even for the remainder of a season, then he would have no more guaranteed money, and uh, he'd have to go out onto the market, and he might never make the money that he otherwise would have uh, with uh, reports that the Cowboys have offered him over $100 million guaranteed and him not believing that that dollar figure the Cowboys have gotten to is worthy of what they are actually uh, uh, of paying him. So that is the story there. Let me bring in the crew because I think this is also always interesting. What would Dak be worth right now if he were on the open market? Because that's the big debate. And I know there are a ton of Cowboy fans out there uh, all over the country who who follow along. I kind of feel like $31 million is about at the high end of what Dak would make, period. Like If you look at Cam Newton and you look at Jameis Winston, and I know Dak is more accomplished right now than both of those guys, there was not a huge market in free agency for either. Andy Dalton is obviously his backup. We saw Teddy Bridgewater get around $20 million a year. How many teams would actually pay $30 million plus for Dak? I think that list is pretty low. I'm not sure there's any team in the NFL that would pay Dak Prescott on the open market much more than $30 million a year. Danny G, what is, what is Dak Prescott worth on the open market right now? Well, you've actually come up on your number because last offseason, I remember both you and Dub had him in the mid-20s. I think that Dak Prescott is somewhere around the 16th best quarterback in the NFL right now. Like if you were just, which makes him dead on average starter in the NFL. And I think if you were trying to sketch out the best case scenario for Dak, you'd probably be like, if you were his agent, You'd argue that he's top 10, and I'm sure the agent will argue he's top 7 or 8 because that's what agents do. Uh, and I think you could also argue that he's, that he's not, you know, that he's no better than 17 or 18 if you were trying to argue on the negative side. And I would put him right squarely at that, you know, 14, 15, 16 range in the NFL. There are a yeah. lot of guys I would rather have than Dak. Uh, there are a lot of guys I would uh, I would rather have with Dak than, than than not right. So I put him right around average, but I don't think there are that many NFL teams that would break the bank for Dak Prescott if he suddenly were available. I in fact like right now, who can you point to and say? Because remember, right now there are a lot of NFL teams that either have a guy they kind of believe in and or hope is the future of the franchise, or they have a really young quarterback and the verdict is not in on them yet. How many teams can you point to and say, oh, they 100% desperately would need Dak Prescott? I I just don't think they're very many, right? I mean, when you look around the league, and this is why Cam Newton had to take a million dollars, it's why Jameis Winston had to take a million dollars, there just aren't that many open jobs right now in the NFL 
where a team would say, yeah, we're really unsettled at the quarterback position. We're going to bring you in. We feel good about what Dak could do uh, for the overall franchise. And even the teams that are bad right now, they either have a quarterback who's still unproven or they've got a brand new quarterback that they're trying to hope is the long-range future of the franchise. But, I mean, you just look around the NFL right now. I, I legitimately don't know that there's any team that would say we have to have Dak. Now, there's lots of, you know, like let's use the Denver Broncos example. There's lots of teams that think, hey, maybe this guy is going to be the long-range future of the franchise. I'm talking about Drew Locke. But there's not a certainty about it one way or the other. And maybe you could argue that John Elway is erratic as he's been with quarterbacks. Oh, he'd love to have a guy like Dak Prescott. But I think Bronco fans are hoping that that Drew Locke can be a top 10 quarterback. And I just, I can't think of a team that would break the bank right now to go out and sign Dak if he were a free agent. So I think what he's making this year in the uh, in the franchise tag is probably his ceiling. I, I don't think you could go much higher than that. It is right there in the ballpark. A year ago, I said 33 was the max I would give him. And so what, it's 31 and change Yeah, he's going to be making. So that's that's a good spot for him, which is why I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay that way. It's going to play out. And this is going to be his make it or break it season, if you will, for the Cowboys. He is in a unique position because that Dallas Cowboy quarterback job is different from quarterbacking the rest of the league. You're dealing with Jerry Jones. Uh, you think back to his leadership with what happened during the whole anthem thing the first time around back in 2016, 2017. He handled that really well. He's been fabulous uh, off the field for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why you pay him, I think. Uh, by the way, I could mention the Jags. Uh, Jacksonville probably has the worst quarterback. Like, it's obviously possible that Gardner Minshew is going to be good. I think it's also possible that Jacksonville has the worst quarterback position of anybody in the NFL right now when you look at their situation. They don't really have the guy going forward, and maybe Gardner Minshew is that guy, but I would say most Jags fans probably would be okay with Dak, but what's the dollar figure they would want him for? Uh, So I I think probably Jacksonville is the wobbliest of all of the – starting quarterback situations right now the Patriots certainly but now they've got Cam Newton I don't think there's uh much uncertainty there so I'd probably say the Jags are the weakest position of any anybody out there and it looks like if things fall apart for the Jags they may be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes uh to potentially go in and uh and draft him Dub what do you think about the value of Dak as we approach uh this four o'clock eastern deadline uh, when teams would have to get their contract talks finished. Well, I think the deal that he has on the table right now is probably the best he's going to get because, like you mentioned, there's not a whole lot of teams out there that are dying to have a quarterback next season. Jacksonville's the obvious choice, but when you look at the history in recent times in the NFL, would Jacksonville rather sign Dak Prescott to $35 million a year or go draft a guy in the first round, maybe get Trevor Lawrence? There's no doubt. They would rather the, go into the first round. Every draft single somebody. team in the NFL would choose that route. So I think the market itself is not very big for Dak Prescott. And the fact that they signed Andy Dalton, I think, is a really key factor here because you look at the weapons that Dak has had over his career. He's had a top three offensive line. He's had a top three running game and a pretty good 
set of wide receivers and tight ends. I'm not so sure that – I mean, they went 8-8 eight and eight last year. I think if Andy Dalton was the quarterback last year, they would have gone 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight again. So I, I, th- I don't think the drop-off between Dak and Dalton is that significant at all. What about you, uh, Eddie? How would you break this down? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree, I think, with what everybody else is saying. I, I understand Dak has been a good soldier. He's been a good teammate. He's been a good representative of the Cowboys organization. And he's been a good player, not a great player. I, I just, you know, I, I think he's what he's going to get is fair. I, I know he's holding out for the extra year, I guess. But uh, if I were him, I'd, I'd sign the contract that they're offering him. I don't I don't, I don't think it's, uh, he's going to get any, any better anywhere else. Now, maybe he, he plays this year and, and has a great year and then can cash in, but I'm on the Cowboys side. This is a never-ending story. Did anybody look up? I don't think there's any restriction on how many years in a row you can be franchise tagged. No, it goes way up on the third time you would get tagged in a row, which is why teams only do it back-to-back. There's a a new penalty, uh, basically. So I I don't remember anybody ever going more than twice on the the franchise tag back-to-back. But that will be the drama that will build in Dallas is – Dak basically saying, okay, I'll play this year, but then you either need to be, as the Cowboys, willing to let me explore free agency, or you tag me a second time, and we know that effectively this relationship is over, and uh, it seems like maybe that's the direction this is trending. So, look, Dak, I'm curious to see whether he holds out, whether he immediately signs this. This really has been a never-ending story. I feel like we've been talking about it for two years, and the Cowboys and Dak have, have reached sort of a uh, impasse in terms of trying to figure out what his value is. Uh, when we come back, appreciate all of you uh, hanging out with us, by the way. Uh, we're going to dive into a uh, continuation of why I believe that we need to have college football. If you heard me talking about that yesterday, right now we are scheduled – to have the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, on in hour number three at uh, 8.20 Eastern. We'll also talk with Jeff Schwartz, as we typically do in the uh, in the second hour. Uh, and I'm going to give you uh, the data on why schools should be opening up from kindergarten all the way through college. This isn't a complicated decision when you actually look at the data surrounding all the details in the coronavirus, we will discuss that as well. Appreciate all of you guys hanging out. Want to tell you the best way you can support what we do here at OutKick? How about becoming an OutKick VIP? If you love me, if you like what Jason Whitlock has brought to bear uh, for OutKick, we are one of the 10 largest sports websites in the entire country right now, and we are growing faster than almost all of them. Uh, We have an incredible offer for you right now. Right now, if you become an OutKick VIP, you get an autographed copy of my book. We found some more copies of the book, so that's good, at least in the short term. may have enough to get us through this week. Uh, You also can get a VIP phone line access. You can hear sometimes people calling in on the VIP to jump ahead of the line. Also, get the right to comment on all of our uh, activities uh, on the message board going on right now. And we have exclusive events for Jason Whitlock, myself, and other OutKick employees that are just for you. All of that is pretty fantastic. All you have to do to sign up is go to OutKick.com. Again, that's OutKick.com. When we come back... Why schools should be open up. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We are off and running here. Uh, been sharing some data that's blowing the Corona Bros' mind. Speaking of the Corona Bros, king of the Corona Bros on Twitter, Darren Ravel. He was going to come on and debate the coronavirus with me and debate why uh, college football shouldn't play and none of you should leave your bedrooms and leave your houses and no sports should be going on. And uh, and then his bosses told him he couldn't do it. So I tweeted that out. So uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever have any Corona bros come on the show after what happened to Peter King uh, on the show, what, a couple of months ago, I guess now. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear porn out there in the Corona bro community uh, about what will happen to them if they come on this show and have to deal with actual facts as opposed to running around on social media with non-facts. And I'm just going to keep hammering this drum because – I saw something uh, where uh, Axios, I guess, had a poll that came out uh, about parents not wanting their kids to go back to school. And my wife actually uh, got uh, last night we were getting ready for bed and she came and she said, man, I'm on Facebook and some of these moms are just losing their minds over the coronavirus they, they don't it's like they don't actually know any of the data at all. And again, I've got a 12, a 9, and a 5-year-old. I love them more than anything, but they need to be playing sports. They need to be back in school. Uh, The data is straightforward. Your kid's not in danger. Per the CDC, 30 kids ages 15 and under have died of the coronavirus in the entire country. That compares to 190 who die from the seasonal flu every year. So your kid is over six times as likely to die of the seasonal flu every year. 436 who commit suicide so your kid is over 10 times as likely to commit suicide and they are uh nearly i guess it's what's the math here over 20 times as likely i think uh to be murdered and they are uh over 40 i can't even do the math it's so much 30 kids age 15 and under have died of the coronavirus 4114 have died from drowning or other unintentional deaths the kids need to be back in school all the way K through 12, all the way through uh, college. The data is clear. Anyone arguing otherwise is not looking at the data at all. For all the p- adults are going to get sick crowd out there, kids are more likely to get it from adults than they are to give it to adults based on all the statistical data out there. So that is what is going on here in the community at large if schools are not opening it's because people are not making rational decisions because they bought in to the fear porn uh let's go to take a couple more of your calls and then i'm going to let danny g give some books away uh i think we're queued up for that right danny g yeah ready to go with that uh all right so uh let's go ahead and take the rest of these calls dub who we got uh we got shane in new york shane what you got for me clay you're officially a rock star by the way by appearing on ingram recently man i appreciate that She's great destroying the fake news media every night. Listen, it's insane how the far radical left is now trying to keep the schools closed. Highlighted by Blasio Cuomo, the big four, Newsom and Garcia, Garcetti. I mean, look at out in California. 
8.9 million population, zero deaths between zero and 17. And now the L.A. Teachers Union is demanding ban on charter schools, wealth tax, money for illegals, Medicare for all, and defunding of the police to get the schools back open. Listen, man, as we're worried about our schools being canceled this fall, if Biden's elected, our country's going to be canceled, man. We got plenty of time to talk uh, about politics in particular. My interest is just in having kids be able to play Little League. My interest is just in having high school football be able to take place. There's no statistical reality under which this shouldn't be occurring if you actually look at the data. It's just not in any way an uncertainty. Kids are not in danger of dying of the coronavirus. And they're a tiny percentage of overall cases. They don't even get it very much. And when they do get it, do you know where they get it? From adults. So every adult out there who's worried about kids getting them sick, it's not happening. You're getting kids sick. And by sick, I'm putting in quotation marks, the vast majority of kids, when they actually get this, and hardly anybody gets it, they don't have any impact at all. Who's up next? Oh, we got Chris in L.A. Chris, what you got for me? Well, the problem I have with your theory here is it's not that a, First of all, it's not a theory. Hold, stop, Chris. It's not well, a theory. These are facts. No, I'm not. No, because you said this is a theory. This is not a theory. These are facts. The pro, so the way you're starting is the problem I have with your facts. That's why they're not getting it. So what you're comparing is the flu with kids that are going to school constantly with no shutdown with a virus that they can't get because by everyone's admission, they're not in school and they're not hanging out with their friends because they're at home. So how can you even possibly spew this garbage on the air? What, what's garbage? What's, no, no, Chris, you're, Chris, you're being an idiot. Chris, they are 4,000 kids are drowning or dying of unintentional deaths. They are more likely to be murdered. They are more likely to commit suicide, and probably the suicide rate is up substantially because kids are at home. And by the way, kids are also still interacting. We know that. The data is out there. They need to be in school. Do you have an actual argument? You're an idiot. No, I'm an idiot, but what's your argument? My argument is this. You're saying there's only been 50 kids under the age of 15 that have gotten the coronavirus. You compare it with the flu. 30 the kids. Flu, they didn't shut school. 30 kids. They didn't shut school down. That's why kids aren't getting it because they're not in school where they can spread it with each other. They're at home. Quarantine Chris, with everybody else. Chris, the data so in – no, no. Chris, pause down. You're screaming. You're making no sense. You're acting like a typical corona bro. You're all emotional. Chris, they have opened up all the schools in Europe. Kids have been going to daycare centers all over this country for people who have jobs that they have to go to. The daycare centers have seen no massive outbreaks. The uh, all over this country, Europe opened back up. All of their kids are in school. We haven't seen any outbreaks there. Asian schools are open by and large. We haven't seen outbreaks there. All over the world, kids are not getting this virus and they are not dying. Your argument is what that non uh, that 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 completely without factual basis. I'll give you another chance to make your case and not look totally irrational and totally fear-porn-laden. The floor is yours. Okay, thank you. My point is this. Arizona, in one day, had more CV-19 cases than all of Europe with 450 million people. We're not Europe. 
They can shut down because they have social distancing. All right, hold on a sec. Let me pause you. You said we're not Europe. That's correct. We actually have a lower death rate per capita than England, than France, than Italy, than the Netherlands, I believe, uh, than Sweden. Most of the major countries in Europe have had a much more substantial outbreak per capita on a death rate than the United States has. The only major democracy, Western uh, democracy in Europe that has done a better job than the United States with this virus, by and large, large population, is Germany. Here's the deal. Europe, the eight worst countries and we're ninth are all Europeans. So quit comparing us to the worst countries. You just compared us to Europe. Hold on, stop. You just said Arizona's far worse than Europe. And so I compared us to Europe, and then you said, stop comparing us to Europe. You're the one who brought up the European comparison. Here's what I, I'm, you know what, you guys on the right, that you like to compare us to Why Europe, am I on the right? Why am I on the right? Oh, hold on. You guys on the right. You just tried to dismiss my opinion by saying you guys on the right. Do you realize that I am pro-choice, that I have never voted for a Republican president in my life? Let me ask, are you for masks wearing mandatory or no? I don't know 100% whether I'm not the person who's driving around in my car wearing a mask. I went to the gym today and or yesterday, and I did not wear a mask. But if places want you to wear a mask in order for you to go into their place of business, like I'll give you an example, uh, Costco. I go to Costco. It's like the only place on the planet that I shop in. Costco requires you to enter with a mask at their business. They believe that makes sense. Then I will put a mask on. If there are businesses that require me, I'm not somebody who goes out shopping. I buy everything that I buy either from a uh, from Amazon or from Costco. Otherwise, I do no shopping in my house. But if there are businesses, my wife goes to the grocery store. She puts on a mask. If if the requirement is in order for schools to be open. Kids have to wear masks. I would sign that paperwork in a heartbeat because it's more important that kids be in school than it is anything else. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to apologize for saying some of the stuff I said about you. But I think masks are the only way we're going to reopen our economy. And if we were sticking to a mandatory mask policy, I could go to a Dodger game. I could go to my gym. I could go to my hairstylist. I could go to a concert with with distancing so it just seems like the mask is the, the key and okay but the, ma- the mask can be the key don't you think it's important that people know the data as it pertains to kids i hear people arguing left and right middle all over this country about whether schools should open back up and i haven't heard anybody say as a prelude to discussing whether schools should open back up, let's talk about the actual danger that our kids are under from COVID-19. That's to me I, I agree. That's to me where we should start the debate, right? If people want to disagree about what the results should be, my big issue in the country is we don't start with facts. Like the facts have to be the foundation of any argument. So the facts are 30 kids, and again, this is from the CDC, but I'm reading it from yesterday's Wall Street Journal. Uh, 30 kids, 15 and under, in the entire nation have died of uh, of the coronavirus so far. Uh, yeah, I think it's. A, I think you do a great job with that. And I would just suggest one other thing you could look at: those two hairstylists 
that uh, were cutting hair while they were infected, and they came in contact with 140 of their clients, and nobody got it. Why? Math. Thank you. I don't know if you saw that. But I, that I, I did see that story that went uh, that, that went viral about hairstylists and how nobody had actually gotten it. I think it was in California. One of the problems, I would say, in general, is the way our media works is they find an anecdote, and then that goes viral. Like, why is the overall death rate for the coronavirus in kids 15 and under not going viral? Like, I just tweeted it out. Why aren't 500,000 people on social media sharing that information as opposed to sharing the information about one eight-year-old kid who died, which sucks. It's an awful story, but that's not representative of what the data actually shows us. This is a big problem with the media in general, and I'm obviously a part of the media. We have moved from a fact-driven media, which is trying to uncover the truth, to an anecdote-laden media, which is not telling stories that are representative of real interactions. And this is going on with police interaction. And by the way, this is another story. And, and then what happens is we make irrational decisions. And I'll give you a quick two quick examples. Schools should be open. I laid out all that data. These idiots arguing defund the police, the murder rate is skyrocketing across this country. Do you know who the people are that are statistically being met, uh, murdered now? Black. Black Lives Matter is out there protesting that Black Lives Matter against the police. And then the politicians respond by taking money away from the police. And then the police are not on the streets to stop murder from happening. I saw the data on New York City shootings. They are the highest level they have been since 1996. We have gone back in time in New York City all the way to 1996 as they are pulling police off the streets. Chicago, New York, Atlanta, the cities that have seen the most aggressive Black Lives Matter protests are seeing the most black murders skyrocketing. And it's like, are you crazy? We don't talk about the police who do a good job, right? During all these protests, how often did you hear the media say, well, the vast majority of protesters are peaceful? Well, that didn't stop a lot of protesters from also looting and rioting. But people were like, hey, you can't paint the protesters in the media. Media was like, you can't paint the protesters with a broad brush. So they were giving the benefit of the doubt to protesters and not judging protesters based on the worst among them, but they judge every police officer based on the worst thing that a police officer has ever done. The vast, vast majority of police, and many of them listen to me in all 50 states to start off their morning or while they're working overnight shifts on the West Coast, and I appreciate the work that you guys do, the vast, vast majority of police officers are doing great work and they are saving tens of thousands of lives. The problem is the lives that police save are not viral stories usually. We don't see the lives that police officers save on a day-to-day basis. We only see the worst video every six months of any police officer out there 
and then everybody paints them with a broad brush. The politicians go out, pull their funding, and then boom, the murder rate skyrockets. We know how this works. Eventually, people are going to say, oh, wait a minute, defunding the police is the dumbest idea that has ever existed in the history of the 21st century. And we're going to start to spend more money on police and the murder rate's going to go back down. We saw this happen. It's called the 1990s. And crazily, Democrats, one of whom I worked for back in 1996, I volunteered on his campaign, Bill Clinton is the one who turned the, the murder rate the opposite direction because he put a lot more police officers on the streets. Now it's racist somehow to want more police. I don't understand it. People have lost their mind. Who's up next, uh, Danny G? Do we still have anybody waiting? Yeah, we got Chris in New York. Chris. Yeah, hi, Clay. Uh, I got a question for you. We're we're talking about all the kids and wanting them to go back to school, but what about the forgotten kids, the ones with special needs? I mean, I got a daughter, she's five. Yeah. Well, they're obviously under a, uh, an even more difficult challenge. So your daughter is five. What What is her special need? She's autistic. So uh, you can speak to this far better than I can. Is it possible for your five-year-old daughter to be taught remotely through an iPad or through a screen? Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I'm not an expert. Not yeah, well, first of all, I hope that... So your point is... There are lots of special needs kids out there that even more than uh, than than other kids need to be in school. Exactly. I mean, since February, there's nothing. No teachers, no nothing. We're trying to figure out how to teach her at home by ourselves. Yeah. We get no help. Well, I, I, I certainly have a uh, – thank, thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. And I certainly have a great deal of respect and empathy for parents out there uh, that are dealing with their children at home for months at a time now while also trying to work. And the challenges are even more substantial, certainly for parents with kids with special needs, which are even more difficult to be taught remotely. It's virtually impossible. And I can't speak to that personally, but a lot of you out there listening have friends and family that are going through that as well. Their kids need to be in school even more than other kids do. And so uh, that in and of itself is uh, is a massive, massive challenge, and it's going to be hard to catch up for those kids out there. All right, I told you we were going to give away some books. We'll actually give away some books for five-star reviews to start off uh, Hour 3. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their toyo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Jeff Schwartz joins us now. 
Jeff, do you know today was tax day? I just realized that, uh, you know, we bumped back tax day to July 15th now. So uh, sorry for yeah. reminding everybody out there. I did know because I filed an extension for some reason. I don't know why. I have everything done, but some, we filed an extension for some reason. So you had three um, extra months and you still filed an extension? I was done. I My CPA's filed an extension. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, 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 thought I, I thought I did everything. I don't I, know. I, I know how much I, I owe. Yeah. Every year we get an extension, too, and I don't end up officially filing until October. Uh, Same here. I don't even understand. Like, I, I used to be – if you're just a regular employee, your taxes really aren't that complicated. I got so many different moving parts now, I never have any clue what's going on when it comes to my taxes. Uh, but and that's, uh, why we, that's, that's why we always file extension, because I just get, like, a random 1099 to show up in, like, July. And you're like, yeah, right. I didn't file this one. Uh, all right, let's dive into uh, let's dive into the NFL. What's Dak Prescott worth? Um, like when you actually look at uh, the marketplace, let's pretend first question that he is an unrestricted free agent. What would a team or teams be willing to bid for his services? See, this is always a tough discussion because there's a difference, in my opinion, between what the market will pay you. I mean, look, everyone will say you're worse than the market will pay you and what he actually should get, right? I mean, if you're looking at what he actually should get, probably around $30, $32 million is probably about I mean, Ryan Tannehill, your boy's making – by the way, Titans fans are absolutely insane. I just got to point that out. You guys, out of all fan bases I've dealt with, the Titans fans are absolutely insane. Well, I think it's probably – let me say this. You probably have more Titans fans in your, uh, in your audience because of me, right? Because well, we that doesn't we, make it any better. No, no, I'm just saying they're probably a higher percentage of the people that follow you. Like, uh, you know, like I, I would say if you were like if I were ranking fans of teams that follow me because I'm from Nashville, I'm overpopulated in, you know, the University of Tennessee and the Tennessee Titans. And then, you know, we have a national show that's doing wildly well now, but I would be interested in seeing what the data is of what fans follow me. But because you do this show a lot, you yeah. also would overlap with some of those same people. So, but leave, leave picking on the Titans aside. Let's go back to the primary question yeah, so, here. So, so, what's, so what's Dak worth? Well, so Tannehill's making like $30 million a year, right? He's got like a three-year deal for 91. You know, Cousins is making a little over 30. I mean, I feel like over 30 million is probably about right. Um, and that's what the, the offer stands right now. It's like $33 million. Um, you know, the question always becomes, is Dak a guy that can win you a Super Bowl? Right? I'm not quite sure we know that yet um, because he hasn't been in the playoffs. And when he has, you know, they've, gone, they've been okay. Um, but that's about where you're going to have to pay him. It's about $30 million a year. I mean, is he worth that much? I don't know. I, but that's what the market says he's going to be. It's about $30 million a year. Now, on the open market, it's different. And this is the thing that's interesting about this because – even look, even looking to next year, how many teams are really going to need quarterbacks next year? I mean, look, the Patriots maybe might need a quarterback. And maybe that's the Jacksonville. But like, so that's it. Jacksonville and Jacksonville, by the way, could stink and just draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin right. Fields, right? So, how many teams are really going to be out there looking to pay Dak Prescott, especially if the Cowboys go, you know, nine seven and win one playoff game? Um, you know what? Who's going to pay him all this money? So I'm, I'm, I, I think the market's about $30 million a year, um, and the Cowboys are offering him that much right now. Uh, so he's not going to do it, obviously. I mean, I've said since, since February he's not going to do this deal, and Cowboys fans told me I was an idiot and told me I was stupid and all that stuff. And 
I'm going to end up being right again. It just didn't feel like this was ever coming together because they've had time to do it. We, we see all the time when teams want to get a deal done, they get a deal done with their quarterback, right? Like, like you know, the Cowboys deal is always that they want this extra year. They want this, this fifth year they always want their contract. And, and they, for the most part, they do it. They have the, they have the most players like, under contract for six-year deals in the NFL. They may have six guys on like, six-year deals. That's what they've always done. I mean, Tyron Smith, they're on tackle sign a 10-year deal. He's a Hall of Famer. He's severely underpaid. And this is what they've always done. And most of the time, when it's time to make a compromise, you do it for your quarterback, and they don't want to do it. And we see other teams do it all the time. The Chiefs just gave Pat Mahomes $500 million. Um, you make it happen if you want to make it work. And I don't think the Cowboys are totally sold on Dak Prescott. And the last thing about why I don't, I don't think they're sold on him, and this is something that people, they, they, they think I'm, I'm harping on this, and it's silly, but it, it's completely true. Mike McCarthy, the new coach, did not talk to Dak Prescott for over a week after getting the job. That's absolutely crazy to me. Like, that should have been your first call. Because yeah. if you had talked to Jerry Jones about what your plans are for the team, Dak Prescott was probably 95% of your conversation. And then how do you not read him? He said he was too busy. That, that's, that's BS, man. Matt Rule, I'm in Charlotte. He called Cam the, he called Cam the day he was hired, and everyone knew Cam wasn't going to be here. Like, you just you call your quarterback. And the fact that he didn't do it strikes me as something that's really interesting about the dynamic at play here. I just don't think the Cowboys are completely sold on Dak, and Dak's going to test the market next year and see what happens. It is interesting. And so if he tests the market, that's going to be a great uh, sort of situation. So you don't think the Cowboys will uh, franchise tag him two years in a row? I mean, they could, um, you know, but then you're in a cousin situation. You know, yeah. I just don't know. Like, like, I mean, I guess the idea is, you know, he plays this year and it was, he plays, he plays really well. And you're like, okay, maybe we'll do a long-term deal now. Right. You know, he's proven to us he can do it or he doesn't play well. And you just let him go. Like, I don't know what, I don't know why you would franchise him for a second year because, you know, this is a prove-it year for him. Brand new coach. And, and maybe you say, look, last year was kind of weird, right? There was no offseason. Players got into camp late. It was a very weird year. We'll just wait one more year to decide on Dak. But, you know, that's not really a way to build a team. I mean, you know, it's just you, you can't build a team with your quarterback always on a franchise. And this is something that I think people don't get. You know, the franchise tag is not terribly great for teams and quarterbacks because you want to have cost – Certainty, and that's what the Chiefs have now with Pat Mahomes. You want to know what the highest guy on your team is going to make for years so you can build your salary cap and your roster around that number. And it's not good for the Cowboys to, to not know what Dak's going to make next year, the year after that, the year after that, and kind of be in limbo with the best, you know, the most important player, I should say, in your franchise. So a franchise like for, for a quarterback is not something the team really wants to do. Uh, so it is interesting as you look at, at Dak going forward, um, to me, this uh, assuming again the uh, for people out there just waking up the four o'clock Eastern you have until the franchise tag becomes official. When you look at Dak going forward, would you bet on him being the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback next year or not? Like, how would you set the odds? I would not. You would not. I would not. No, I'm, and I probably would get plus money for that. Um, but I, I just think that. Again, I go back to like you know the Redskins and see, I can't even say that now, right? The Washington football team, and I'm going to make that mistake a thousand times. Um, the Washington football team, and uh, what if there was no mascot this year? By the way, just the one like they just were like the Washington football team. It's possible. I mean, it's a quick rebrand before the season. I don't know if you can have it ready in time. Um, 
uh, you know, Washington and, and Cousins situation, I mean, they, they both kind of just never met in the middle. And Cousins wanted a, a certain deal, and the Redskins, <laughs> Washington wasn't going to meet it. And they just never made it work. And it feels like that's what the Cowboys and, and Dacker go do. It's just kind of, they, you know, they like each other enough, but not enough to commit long term. Okay, another team uh, dealing with an interesting franchise tag decision that is reportedly going to allow their player to play it out on the franchise. You were just going after them a little bit earlier. The Titans. The Titans are going to pay Derrick Henry $10.7 million, I believe is the number this year. And then he would theoretically be an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. How does this situation play itself out? Who is in a better spot here? Titans. Titans or Derrick Henry? Well, the Titans are because they can find a running back for much cheaper that can give you 85%, 90% of the production that Derrick Henry had. We, we keep seeing these numbers come out all the time of guys that are undrafted, seventh-round picks, putting up just the production that a first-round pick can do. And I, I get it that it's unfair to running backs. I'm an offensive lineman. I love running backs. I would love to block for Derrick Henry. But if you're building a team – it makes no sense to pay those guys all that money. Um, and it, our, the Titans are – I mean, look, I, I, I would have franchised Tannehill and let Henry walk, but, you know, they signed Tannehill. At least they didn't sign Henry to a long-term deal. And, you know, you play this year, you hope you win a Super Bowl, and then you just let him go and you find someone else in the draft next year. I mean, it's not, it's not that complicated. The, the data has shown that paying running backs is a complete disaster. It does not help you win. And you can get the production you need from that position – from a seventh-round draft pick, undrafted guy, or third-round draft pick. I mean, name, name someone else to do it. Look at their deals. Zeke Elliott just got paid. Cowboys didn't make the playoffs last year. Todd Gurley got paid. How's that working out? David Johnson got paid, got traded. Um, it, you know, Christian McCaffrey got paid, and last season all his best games were in blowouts. Everyone was like, oh, my God, his receiving numbers. Well, look at him. He had 200-yard receiving games. The Panthers scored like six and nine points in those games. I mean, congrats on getting a lot of yards. It didn't help you win the game. So that position, for whatever reason, is just really undervalued, um, and there's no reason to, to, to pay those guys all that money. So the Titans are a great spot. Just franchise them this year, see what happens, and let them go. Will somebody else pay Derrick Henry? We were just talking about Dak if he hit the open market. What if Derrick Henry were on the open market right now? Would he make at most about what he's making this year? There's always teams. I mean, you know, the Houston Texans seem to not know what they're doing. I mean, they'll, they'll pay a running back. Who cares? But, I mean, you know, Le'Veon Bell got paid. Um, but I, I – is analytics kind of creeps more into front offices, I'm not sure that we're going to see these. Become, even, and I think next year, too, is a big year. Like, Dalvin Cook's a free agent. It's a great a running big, back year. It's a, a great running back year. So, I don't know – what team is, is going to really want to spend, you know, that $15 million a year on a running back, especially with the cap situation, which is probably not going to be great next season. Um, they're probably going to have to borrow from the future to make sure the cap is probably flat for next season. It's probably my best get. I, I don't think it will go down that much. It won't go up. And, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll just borrow from the future to get it to be flat. Or you don't want to spend – you know, and uh, what you're talking about your, there, for people out there who are not yeah. familiar, the overall NFL revenues, because crowds are not going to be uh, either allowed at all or anywhere near what they have been in normal years, the overall NFL revenue is going to go down. And since players and owners share, 
the idea is we're going to limit future seasons of cap numbers to make up for the money that isn't going to come in this year, right? Yeah. For people out there who don't yeah. understand that. And, and you, have a, you have a 10-year labor deal, so you're, you yeah. can borrow from the future – I can't imagine what, what what would happen if there wasn't a CBA deal done. I mean, the NFL oh, that's a great point. Wreck, be a complete wreck right now. So, um, you know, the, the, so you know, with with a cap being flat, do you really want to pay a running back next year all that money? I get it if the cap was still rising nine percent or ten percent, like it's been every year. But you know, even it's just not. There's no way it's going to go up this year. I mean, you know, I don't I don't know if we'll get a full sixteen games. I feel really confident that we're going to start the season on time and i know there's posturing right now between both sides as far as um you know kind of when camp's going to start how it's going to work but both sides want to play I mean, when do that, you think camp will start i think it'll be july 28th i, I think they'll be in, in on time look the nfl has been a league that gets things done at the deadline all the time right i mean it just feels like every time there's some sort of issue it's like boom by, by the deadline it gets figured out because look the truth is players want to play all right Players understand the risks. There are there might be guys that that, that have autoimmune issues that, that don't play. I get that, um, but we have short careers. We don't get paid if we don't play. I, I don't think we, we get paid if we don't play. The owners want to make money too. They're, they're they're just as greedy as we are, maybe more greedy. Um, and that's why I think both sides will make it work because in the end they both want to play. And obviously some of the issues right now are health and safety and testing and kind of how we how we kind of go about making sure everyone stays as healthy as possible. So I think they will play. It's a much easier um, – it's, it's much easier to get them going than college football, which I just think it's uh, – I don't know college football. I mean, I, I the conference-only schedule is a great way to do this, in my opinion, especially out west. I think, out, I think in the south, the ACC and SEC should probably join together and kind of form their own little – conference this year that makes a lot of sense to me because they're they're so regionally close i mean it seems silly that south carolina and clemson can't play each other but south carolina could play like missouri right it just seems kind of odd that, that so, I, so i think the acc and sec will join together the big 12 will be on their own the, the, the big 10 and pac 12 will be on their own and we'll get a season in i, I just it might just be disjointed uh, last question for you how many nf like i'm kind of stunned in, in a good way in dak prescott's defense the guy is saying no to $100 million guaranteed, right? Like, we're talking about the fact that he's going to be a, you know, he's going to be franchise tagged, but that's because the, he's turning down $100 million guaranteed. Last question for you Is this the first time ever that a player is turning down $100 million in NFL history? It's got to be, right? Yeah, probably. But here's the thing with a lot of these quarterbacks now, Clay, is the endorsement money. He's at Campbell Soup. Yeah. I'm sure he has speaking fees. I mean, he's probably making millions of dollars off the field. Yeah. So to him, he's like, look, I'll make 31 this year. The franchise tag is like 37 next year. So that's, you know, $70 million. I'm already making five, ten million million off the field. Like, I, I don't need to sign a deal that I don't want now. I'll just let it ride. I'm, I'm in a position that I'm young. I have not been hurt in my crown. He's missed a game because of injury yet. Um, I have a good offensive line. I'm probably not going to get hurt this year. Just ride with it. And so um, his agent, by the way, is really good at that. I think his agent's one of the toughest to like negotiate with, at least according to, to reports. So, uh, yeah, probably first guy ever turned down that money. But it makes sense for him because he's in Dallas and he has endorsements already. And good for him. I mean, look, I root for every player to get – I root for every human to get as much money as they Join can. Join the club. Because that, that's the way we – 
it's interesting that people kind of root against it. I don't really get it. Like, I just, I root for every human to get paid. Teachers, nurse, my, my wife's a nurse. She's underpaid. I, I root for her to make more money. I, I root, root for, more money. I always say this, like, I want Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and Colin Cowherd and the guys that are older than me and make more money now. I want them to make as much money as possible because I want them to set the bar as high as they can possibly set it because that's where I want to aspire to be too. And if you're an NFL quarterback or an NFL player, or like you said, it doesn't really matter what your profession is, at least if you're in a public market setting, you should want your competitors to make as much money as uh, as possible. Good stuff as always, Jeff Schwartz. Take care, man. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Pulled up sweet home Alabama for Greg Sankey. He is the commissioner of the SEC. And by the way, I would encourage everybody out there to go listen to our long-form conversation that we had this past summer about how you end up being the commissioner of a conference. And by the way, Greg, I know you never would have hoped this, but I tweeted out that you were joining. And I usually don't go into my mentions, but I happened to do it. And the very first response is... Ask him how the SEC can have such absolutely terrible officiating. And I want to say this right off the top. You probably never would have believed that you would long for the days when you got to go on and talk about officiating errors as opposed to coming on to talk about pandemics. I have uh, I've observed that I long for the days of those complaints because that means we're, we're doing what we do and compete. Um, I will note for that insightful... Uh, user of social media, uh, we we have a transition in our football officiating leadership and in our men's basketball officiating leadership. So part of that's working to get better, which we do every day. Uh, all right, uh, Greg Sankey, you can follow him at on Twitter at Greg Sankey. And I can't even imagine what your mentions have been like uh, as this process played itself out since, honestly, you were in Nashville and pulled uh, players off the basketball court effectively in the middle of the SEC basketball tournament. Um, and ever since then, it's been a, uh, a situation where you don't really know from one moment to the next what to expect. So I want to start with, uh, with this question for you. Um, right now, so far, I believe you have two out-of-conference games that have been impacted by decisions made by the Big Ten. There were no games between the SEC and the Big Ten, but then by uh, Southern Cal uh, and uh, and Colorado as a part of the Big, Big 12, uh, sorry, the Pac-12 decision not to play only conference games. Alabama was going to play SC, and I think A&M was going to play, play Colorado. Do you expect for those two schools to replace those opponents are they working on that right now? The expectation, um, I'm always careful about that word in this environment, which you can imagine, but the opportunities will be there. Uh, we're not alone in having uh, lost non-conference games because of other conference decisions. And so all of these other football programs that have lost opportunities are now looking for games as well. So the good news is, even though we've had those two, that have slipped away, there will be opportunities for both Alabama and A&M to, to find other opponents should they should they move down that pathway. Uh, do you think they will announce that uh, as, as replacing opponents, or is that something that wouldn't be announced until into August? And the reason why I ask is, obviously Alabama-USC was going to be a huge game that was taking place, I believe, in Dallas at a neutral site. But there are now 
a lot of teams that are desperate to replace the non-conference uh, games that they may have had scheduled against the Pac-12 and uh, and against the Big Ten. So if Alabama wanted to add a team potentially to come to Tuscaloosa and play them, there's a market out there of a lot of teams that would want to get that game, I would imagine. And the same thing is true for Texas A&M uh, in the wake of their their game against Colorado being canceled. Yeah, that, that's true. And I'll be honest, I have not. I've visited with several with both athletics directors on several occasions. In fact, we had an in-person meeting all day Monday for the first time since March. And so we've talked about the, the interest and opportunities. I've not, Clay, asked them, uh, when will you make this decision and, and when might that be announced? So uh, the, the, the honest, direct answer is, I don't know when they'll make the decision, and I don't know when they'll announce, but I'm certain if they do make that uh, additional game happen, that we'll hear about it in the right time frame. Uh, what was it like to actually get to meet all of your athletic directors in person? It was nice. You know, uh, I reminded them that when we had last met, it was on a Wednesday in Nashville, and we had provided them with a press release that essentially said, for fans not comfortable attending, we'll just give you your money back, no questions asked, at our basketball tournament. And they weren't quite quite ready on that Wednesday morning to say that's the right way to go. And the idea was kind of like voluntary social distancing. If you're not comfortable attending, then then we'll work with you to make it right. And then that day just spun in a whole different direction. So by about 3 o'clock, like that press release was in the background and we were in a whole different world. And so – uh, I reminded them of that, which is a really good illustration of how information has changed uh, so quickly and even within a particular day. And a uh, lot of space between people, a lot of, uh, lot of uh, you know, face mask coverings and hand sanitizer around, but uh, really good conversation. I think we're, we're all a little bit tired of Zoom. And so to be in a, be in a room and have people talk over each other a little bit is, is really a healthy thing. Uh, what can you tell me about testing numbers for SEC athletes? It seems like a lot of times we only hear negatives, right? LSU seemed to have an issue. Uh, certainly we've heard about Ohio State or we've heard about Clemson, different places that have had to shut down as a result. How are the numbers looking at the SEC among your athletes now that most of them, I believe, have been back on campus for over a month now? Yeah, so just – a few elements. One, uh, testing happened uh, at most places upon return, and then uh, most others, in fact, I think all others, shortly at, thereafter. And part of that is the, the, the testing decisions, availability, turnaround. And uh, our, our universities have not, in a majority, released uh, all their numbers. So you can understand I'm not going to do that. But it's important that people understand the numbers. We brought people back and had positive tests among our student-athletes. They had care. They had oversight. They had the kind of support. And then um, we had uh, young people that had to go through the learning experience that college today and moving forward this fall doesn't appear that it will be like college when you were at George Washington, right? You know, the, the, the gatherings and the way you interact have impact. So you had a lot of isolations, not positive tests. But isolations, and now um, I, when I'm done here, we'll jump on a, a call with our medical group. Last week, our numbers are way down in the in the low single digits to zero. Um, one of my presidents this week said, "Hey, uh, I'm comfortable that we can support and and oversee and keep people healthy." And part of what's had to happen is the education about how you conduct yourself uh, on your own time. 
have juniors and seniors on teams had to kind of corral the the freshmen and sophomores and say, hey, knuckleheads, if we want to have a season, you guys got to stay out of parties, you got to stay out of bars, you got to do things different than maybe, like you just mentioned, a typical college kid might have done it when you or I or a lot of the people listening to us might have been college kids. Couple answers to that. I asked that question when after one of those, you know, sources say this number uh, had this issue or this number of isolations, and, and I just asked who it was. And and before I allowed the answer, I said, "Are the juniors and seniors who are, are are ready to play, ready to have this opportunity, educating young people?" So it's not a broad brush. I think generally there is some truth to that. That the wisdom of a few years of age um, has indeed been helpful. And uh, everyone's had to adjust. And, you know, you come back and you're back home. And, and that's the word that I've heard used by, by student athletes. You're back home on campus and you have to think in a different way. I, we, we've all had that. Even at our AD meeting, you realize, wow, and first time in a meeting room, we're going to have to function a bit differently than we would have six months ago. You said, I think, I know you don't want to get into specifics, but you said potentially single digit positive cases across the sec meaning at least on your campuses the numbers are moving in a positive direction among student athletes as opposed to in a negative direction yeah yeah that's correct and down down to down to zero and uh our our programs are you know obligated to report locally and through their health officials they do that appropriately and uh there there has been a learning in fact that comment has been there repeatedly and and part of what i expect will happen upon return to campus is a lot more information spread even more broadly about behavioral changes that have to take place because of uh the virus that is around us do you think that your athletes are safer on campus than they would be if they were at home uh in wherever they live right now and that's one of those judgment conversations that we spent spent a lot of time on in, in April and May. In fact, Clay, when we shut down uh, back in March, it's because there were so many unknowns. And then we had to think about what that meant for young people. We, we disrupted the foundation of their lives, their rhythm, their opportunities. We continued with support to the extent that was possible from a distance. And then as we headed back to May, we took time, rather than bring them back June 1st, brought them back June 8th, but part of the reality was we had gyms opening up all around the country. And I was on a Zoom call with a student athlete who had gone to two different gyms uh, on the same day for two different workouts. And he's a smart guy, but, you know, you don't know the gym. You don't know who's overseeing that. You don't know the, the, the hygiene policies of that facility. In our athletic programs, you have embedded medical professionals that, that do this on a daily basis. They, they, they look out for the health and well-being of our young people. They all had uh, hygiene and sanitization plans. Uh, they work in the small groups. They, they follow every one of the guidelines that you could, you could uh, imagine. They have long policies. And uh, it, it has worked well to point um, to date. And, and they've, they've met the expectations of of managing themselves and it's been a bit of a learning experience for everyone but it, it has gone by all accounts shared with me uh in the way we had hoped all right i'm going to hit you with uh with a couple of facts that are going on in the larger community of sports major league baseball is coming back next week uh the nba and the nhl are coming back the week after 
I believe today in the state of Tennessee, there are going to be potentially 30,000 fans watching an event in Bristol. Uh, MLB, NHL, NBA, MLS, PGA, WNBA, UFC, NWSL, the PBA, boxing, NASCAR, and the NFL are all planning to be back in some form or fashion by August 1st if they haven't already returned. If all of those sports can play, why can't college football? Well, that's a question, and it actually informs the message that I've communicated repeatedly that I think we need to be patient in our decision-making, and we will. In fact, uh, back in April, a biostatistician with whom I visited said, look, if you can uh, wait as long as possible to make major decisions, uh, you're going to have better information. And Clay, I actually have a list of probably not all of those events, but the Bristol event tonight I think is an important step. Major League Baseball, who will move people around. Uh, They're not in a bubble. Uh, They're going to move their umpires around. Uh, That's an important, uh, really, set of information for us. And we've visited with people from those leagues and will continue to do so. The start of NFL training camp is an important opportunity for us to view football practice taking place. And we've got time before our practices are scheduled to adjust. Uh, So, All of that's important information that will inform the decision and the ability to answer the question of why can't, you know, that's out there. But our our programs are on campuses, uh, they're they're high density areas, and so the ability to manage that full full environment is really important. Uh, Travel is going to be much different, um, and we don't just have one team. So the luxury of baseball and, and football at the professional level and soccer is they have one sport, one set of athletes. Uh, we have between 20 and 25 sports and uh, hundreds uh, of, of young people involved. And we want to make sure uh, that we're able to do this safely. And uh, I don't know what will happen this fall yet. We, I've, I've been vocal. We need to see um, some positive news and, and continue to see positive news and hopefully see that rapidly. You talk about late July. When do schools have to, in terms of making decisions about, say, football, when do schools have to notify their students about whether students will be back on campus? Uh, And what date, I'm sure you've got this on your calendar in some way, what date is the first day that students would be returning to Southeastern Conference schools? Students have been returning all spring. Uh, again, you go back to college experiences, and that's a place where people wanted to be. Now, they may not have been in classes, but they've been either on or around campus. We have some in-person classes taking place during the summer. When you look to the fall semester, first day of classes is August 17th from all of our schools. So we have a range from uh, last check, which was Friday, August 17th, through the 31st of first day of classes. And you probably heard a lot of kind of a compressed fall schedule, ability to adapt and being ready to adapt based on what happens from a health standpoint. But students will come back well before that first day of classes. Uh, there may be social uh, opportunities, fraternity, sororities, or preparation, move-in. The, the move-in dates may have been spread longer. So that activity will begin in late July, early August relative to, to students returning. Could you play with, let's say that they do like, hey, we're going to do online learning for the first month, right? Like, uh, who knows? Because every different local school district is making different decisions. Could you play 
sports, football in particular, without students on campus? Well, students are going to be on and around campus, it appears, no matter what. That's yeah. just reality. What, what I have observed is our universities have to be back in operation. And and the, the, the debate would be, well, what form does that take and when is it appropriate to continue playing athletics? Because there may be other decisions associated with uh, with expanded distance learning, distance learning. If you, if, if, again, if you roll the tape back, what I've never said is, you know, all the students have to be back on campus. Others have made that observation. I think it's 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 a bit overly broad, and that's probably been acknowledged because, you know, the fall semester. In fact, higher education moving forward, I expect, will look different than it did even last year, or certainly 10 or 20 years ago. It's just uh, a, a different world for a number of reasons. The the, the virus has accelerated some of this transition and change. Do all five conferences need to have the same decision made about returning for college football? Or, for instance, right now, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have said, hey, we're not playing non-conference. The ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC, of which you're the commissioner, have made decisions that they're going to wait longer could it be a situation where one conference plays and one conference does not? One conference plays all games, another conference doesn't. How much unanimity of final decision do we need across the five conferences? I don't envision a total hodgepodge. So there are three of us who've been uh, in the last week communicating it for obvious reasons about uh, the importance of patience in our decision making. And uh, right now I could envision different directions. Um, and, and that's part of waiting. That doesn't mean, Clay, it will happen. I've, I've said uh, with some frequency, if you look back to March, uh, we all made independent decisions and ended uh, at the same destination relative to our basketball tournament stopping. Now, there are a lot of factors for that. But you know, let's go back to where we started this conversation. We've lost two games. So the bulk of our non-conference games were with Big 12 and ACC members others in the FBS, and those games are still intact. So it's an indication that we could do something different than others. But you would, there would be a need to have, uh, in my view, some participation of other conferences uh, to, to not all be in the same conference-only setting. Uh, you've got big rival games, South Carolina, Clemson, Louisville, Kentucky, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, Georgia Tech, in particular with the SEC, I mean with the ACC. Uh, these are games that all college football fans love. They're in-state rivalry games. They also are pretty much all reachable by bus. Have you had particular conversations with the ACC about those games and a desire to preserve them, even if there might be non-conference changes otherwise? Sure. We At the end of last week, in fact, we, we have regular calls, but on one of those calls with uh, with my colleagues, I observed, you know, those games, you know, I don't know why it's it's uh, better or worse. I guess one could take their own side of an evaluation for Georgia Tech to be on a bus and go up to Athens. You know, it's a non-conference game, but it seems one that that could happen. And you could could play that out for, through other circumstances of games that have been canceled. But for us, there are a set of proximal games. There, there's also games between our conference institutions that are a bit further, but we are going to have and have been working uh, for weeks and, and months with our medical teams to have common testing protocol, common oversight, common reporting, common isolation, so that we can have 
uh, healthy competition among non-conference teams. We're going to keep pursuing that with the idea that those games are important. Now, from a scheduling standpoint, depending on what happens, Clay, uh, you know, I don't know what happens with the ability and the flexibility within a schedule and the time that we may need uh, to play those games and still determine a conference champion. And, and I think what you saw out of some others is uh, the heavy emphasis on uh, creating space in their schedule so they could play conference games and determine a conference champion. Uh, we're not at that point, but um, you know that we have to be attentive to what realities may develop and guide our decision-making. Uh, last question for you. Have you guys designed potential changes in the schedule? Do you have an eight-team? Do you have a 10-team? You obviously have a 12-team schedule. Are there externalities that you're preparing for in the event you have to adjust? Yeah, let me just change one word because you were asking about teams. I'm going to put it at game. So eight yeah. game, yeah, sorry. 10 game. Yeah, um, yeah. so, you know, an, an odd number of conference games doesn't make a lot of sense because then in addition to debating whether you change your schedule, you're debating who gets the extra home game, right? You with me? Yes. On that one? And so you're going to be at an even number if you have to go to that. We've been working on those scenarios and date scenarios uh, for a long, long time. So, you know, I saw a note that, you know, there's no plan. Well, there's been a plan in development ever since March. We've been working on, on what's next. The reality is the circumstances around us change so rapidly that we're constantly having, having to de- adapt our plans and, and imagine and consider what else might be out there for us. I, I might have bungled that a little bit, but so there's a possibility that you could play, let's say, a 10-game SEC-only schedule if necessary. Well, you can, you've seen the CFP debate, so I'm not going to give that one away, but we'll be prepared in certain directions. That would be included if we needed to. And when I corrected, you never correct the host, but I didn't want people <laughs> to think we're going to be removing teams from the conference. Yeah, that would that would be a hell of a headline. Uh, I know yeah, I said. I know I said last question, but you talked over the weekend and said your nervousness level about whether or not the season would be played was high to very high. After meeting with your athletic directors, talking to school presidents and whatnot in the last several days, how would you assess your current read on the situation for college football, SEC in particular, being played this fall? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna again correct the host. I use the word concern, so I'm I'm trying not to be nervous in life. But th- there is concern, and we're dealing with an uncertainty. And and the, one of the first things I said to the ads is there's a really good book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke that just says you know what poker is a really good example of a game where you have to make decisions with incomplete information, and you make the best judgments possible. And we're in a situation where we have in, incomplete information, and the information you have doesn't tend to say people are paying attention and, and we're, 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 that we're having the right kind of trends. And you know what? I mean, you've been a part of it, right? It's all debatable. It's all changing. You're trying to figure out how to access and evaluate information. So in, in the environment we're in, yeah, that concern still exists. I'm, I'm really pleased with both our, our, our presidents and chancellors group, and I visited individually with each one over the weekend just to find out what they're thinking, what their direction is, what's happening on campus. And then with our ADs on Monday, uh, committed to patience. You know, it's like uh, a baseball analogy where we've been throwing a curveball. We didn't make great contact. It's a ground ball, but we still we still need to run it out and see what happens. And so we're going to run this one out and see what happens. But health and safety of our participants, our student athletes, our coaches, 
uh, those around the game are going to be at the forefront of our thinking. I appreciate the time. I know how many different things you have going on right now. I apologize for bungling the past two questions. I'm glad you corrected me on it. <laughs> if, uh, if everybody gets mad at you, maybe you can be a Sports Talk radio host one day. Well, that, that may be. If you, if I hear you have five jobs open, right? So maybe. Let's do. We do have five jobs open at OutKick, so you can go put your resume in. There you go. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.